Getting split. Getting split. Getting split. Getting split ready. For my wife, God rest her soul. Oh God, I'm so sorry. No, 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 she's not dead. <laughs> We're just divorced. Unscripted and honest discussions on divorce and separation. Getting split ready. What was I supposed to tell him? I divorced you from the show. Here's your hosts, Doug Katz and Mariah Pleasant. Joining us for our panel is Catherine McMahon-Vivanco, an attorney from Katz and Stefani. In addition, Catherine is a mediator and a fellow at the Collaborative Law Institute of Illinois and a member of the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals. Also joining our panel today is Amy Schillinger, clinical director, president, and owner of Balance Stress Management and Therapy. Amy is a licensed marriage and family therapist and art therapist, and she's also trained in EMDR for trauma. She's also a mindfulness teacher. The market's in free fall. Um, is some people are thinking about their retirements, but I, I know how many people pay for their divorces with things like quadros, right? They're pulling money out of retirement because that might be their only asset. They might, it might be considerable, but for you as a CDFA, uh, and for those out there who don't know what that is, What's CDFA then, Mariah? Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. I always get it wrong. I always say advisor. I was going to get it wrong again. But what do you do when all of a sudden you're either considering divorce and the assets that you had in your mind to start a new life, maybe when we're done with this, it could be who knows what percentage of what they were when you were doing the mental calculus before. Or more importantly, and this is where I want some of your input, Catherine, is... um, Mm -hmm. What do you do when you're in the middle of a divorce and you were paying for it with assets that aren't there anymore? So there's a lot of considerations on the financial side. Obviously, um, by most accounts, we're looking at a recession. Um, Anyone who's checked their 401k lately feels that uh, as a personal uh, issue. So the general fear of the economy right now is big. But if you're going through a divorce, that's just an added stressor. the one that I had today was, you know, we're middle of mediation. We're almost towards the end. They've been separated for a few months. And then do we go back and do we change the 401k values? Cause they've changed. They've changed in the last two months. Um, the one that I worked on today, we decided to do that because they both had retirement assets. However, if only one person has a retirement asset and the value we're using is heavily inflated versus what the value is today, there's gonna be a lot of thoughts and feelings that are different on each person's part as to what we should do. Um, so it's just another, another piece of the puzzle that needs to be addressed. Um, but there's also a lot of logistics that are involved. So if you're, say, recently towards the end or completing a divorce and you have a qualified domestic relations order in place for a dollar amount of a, 401k, you know, let's say someone's going to get $100,000 of a 401k that was $200,000 versus a percentage. Now they're getting $100,000 of an account that only has 150000 in it. The quadro is what the quadro is. So something to think about as people are going through the process now. Um, but the most common one is I don't have a job anymore. How do I still pay child support? Which wasn't a question that didn't exist before. <laughs> it still existed. It's just existing a lot more, I think, all of a sudden. Um, and maybe you want to touch on that, uh, Catherine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, in general, if the case is going on and the case is not done and someone loses their job, you know, that does happen from time to time. And it's it's going to create an issue as far as how much support is that person going to be paying or receiving. Um, there's a concept 
under the law that we can impute income to someone and say, well, this is what they could be or should be earning. Um, but given the severity of the massive job loss going on, and we're only at the beginning of this, I, I think the court would be harder pressed to impute income to someone because right now it's going to be, I mean, this isn't a time for someone to go and get a new job. Unfortunately, it's, it's a very difficult time. So yeah, if they can, you you know, know, if they can even find it, you know, no one knows right where this is going to go. Right. So we have that ability to impute that income, but that that's, that's changing. Um, I think that the practicality of that is now changing. Um, if it happens after a case is done, then that's the point where someone would need to modify their support obligation. So if a payor is paying child support, loses their job, normally what we say is you need to file your petition to modify that right away mm-hmm. um, because you can only modify your support retroactive to the time you file a petition. Um, now, we're still able to file things with the court. We're filing them online. We're just not able to get in front of a judge, but we can get that on file. Um, but the, the recipient, um, that person is required by law to keep paying, but if they don't have the money and they can't pay, you know, what are they going to do? You can't get blood from a stone. Right. So then now we've got the recipient is in a bind because now they're not getting the support that they rely on to pay their bills. Um, well, are there ever times, and, and, you know, either Mariah or, or Catherine on this, and Amy too, because I know you probably deal with people with stress when they're like, oh my God, I've got no money anymore. Um, but are there times when you actually have to dissuade from somebody because they're no longer able to realistically afford a divorce? This was something that happened a lot in 2008, 2009, when we had the recession then. Um, that was actually the time that kind of didn't invent, but uh, made popular the term of nesting, uh, where people would get divorced, but still stay in the same home because they couldn't afford to take what they were earning and move into two homes. Um, so that's certainly the case right now. I think it's a, if, you know, you have someone in the service industry or someone in, you know, retail industry, they're not going to have a job for a while. And to move out on their own or have someone move out at that time is really difficult. Another big consideration right now is health insurance. If someone's going to lose health insurance as the result of a divorce, do you really want to lose health insurance in the middle of a pandemic? Probably not. Um, So taking those things into account is really important as I think we, I think we can safely say there may be a temporary lull in divorces for a couple months. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they increase after everyone's quarantined for a couple of months together as well. I, I read, I read something that diver- divorces and births are going to increase after this. And they're not going to be mutually exclusive. There could be. Oh, they might not be. They might not be. So, uh, I think that being in the same house together, um, for a few months is, could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, but something I think that isn't being talked about enough, and I know it's not necessarily a financial topic, but, um, something that Amy might want to touch on too, is there are people who are being quarantined in their homes who are in really bad marriages or kids who are at home in family situations that really aren't healthy or safe for them and their outlets and their protection of school or the protection of friends and family just isn't there. And I think that's something we're going to have to address sooner than later too. I think a lot of that most of the time is also financial. I mean, you know, the two households um, thing is just not a possibility for some people. And you know, I've worked with a lot of clients actually that that's the reason why they're staying with this person is because they just don't, they both don't think that they can make it on their own. So 
again, like the more that the collaborative community can come together or, you know, professionals to help them um, through that, I, I am definitely worried about the danger um, of all of that. So luckily it seems like already we're having programs where the kids are being fed at least, right? You can mm -hmm. pick up lunches at school. That's great. But what happens, you know, if you have um, a really bad domestic violence situation in your home and they can't leave? What if you well, have someone going who's to, going to shelters? You're you're then exposing yourself to the the numbers of people that you don't necessarily want in a pandemic like this. Right. Or what if you have someone who's in active addiction who is unable to get whatever substance they're addicted to, whether it's because of economic reasons or logistics, um, or someone who was the abusive spouse who would leave for a large portion of the day and give that respite that isn't leaving anymore. So then financially, Mariah, like what can, what can people do when this is going on, right? Is it, is it hit the pause button until they actually know what they're going to have to start the, the next phase? I think they can if they're in a position to do so. I think people have to take their safety into account first and foremost, and the pandemic just adds another layer to that. It's always been the case. Like you have to take your safety first and foremost. This is just another challenge to safety. Um, but the fact that many people are self-isolating, the fact that many people are staying home does probably make available family resources that may not have been there before. You know, there's a lot of dynamics that are changing. You know, maybe you have a sister who is working from home for the next six months or however long, and that changes your childcare scenario for, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, so I think people need to be willing and able to think outside the box. And that's where therapists, attorneys, mediators can kind of help think through the situations as well. And Catherine, for, for other folks out there who, you know, again, we talked in the last segment really about making a flexible divorce decree and things like that. It, as all this stuff changes, job status, uh, assets, all of the financial picture we're talking about now, what do they do? Is it, is it a huge amount of post-decree work? Like what, what, do you, what do you foresee happening? Well, you know, major changes should be um, entered by the court by way of an order. Um, for example, any modifications of support, if you agree to modify support with your ex-spouse, it really needs to be modified or codified in a court order. Or it's not enforceable, okay? Um, if it's something like you decide to change the schedule for your children, whether or not you really want to put that into the court order is up to you, but it's, again, it's just not enforceable. Um, right now, if we have limited access to the court, what I would suggest is people put agreements in writing and they can sign them um, to try to, you know, have them be um, documented and, you know, that's something that people can do. But yeah, I think that there will be some, some post-degree changes that are going to be coming um, due to this, most, most likely with uh, support, because like I said, it's very, it's very important to codify that in a court order. Um, but this is a time where, like you said, people's finances are down. So do they want to be paying for a lot of these things? Um, they may want to be limiting how much they're paying on attorney's fees, um, mediators, you know, all of that. So I think people just need to use their best judgment, um, work with their spouse, be, be flexible. If you can reach an agreement, great. Try to put it in writing and, and talk to an attorney about it. Yeah, I think, you know, I, it really makes sense. And I think it really comes down to, and I kind of want to, to shift to Amy is, you know, 
it's about a mental, it's about how you're looking at it, right? It's about your mentally how you're responding to the situation and, and, you know, leaving yourself open to options. Yeah. I mean, even in mediation, right? Where we kind of believe in like the ability to do the work. And I think that, that therapy is very similar. Like I think in these situations where people are going to need to save money and they don't have access to the court system as freely as they did before. I think everyone just kind of needs to get into a different mindset of this is something that's happening. We can't control it and we need to be able to do the work and we need to put ourselves into that calm, relaxed zone to be able to figure some of these things out. And maybe step away from the agreements that they have already in the way that just because it's an agreement that you had a couple of years ago, doesn't mean it doesn't need to be modified today. Um, if situations have changed and the kids are with one parent primarily because of the situation that one parent's going to have more expenses. They're not getting school lunches. Kids are eating all day long. If most kids are like mine. Um, so taking that into account and being flexible, I know we keep saying that, but being flexible and being aware that this is, a different time. It's not what we're used to in that. Absolutely. Need to be flexible. Well, um, I will also point out just on the financial side, because I push this all the time and people are going to hear it now. If you've been thinking about life insurance, I know it's morbid, but if you've thought about it and you know you need it and you don't have it, this is a really good time to put that in place. Um, people only move to action when they feel the need to move to action. And this may move some people. If you are dependent on child support or spousal support, that child support or spousal support is only as good as the payer's ability to pay you. Is there a pandemic so, clause in a lot of those? <laughs> no, not in most. Um, <laughs> and, in, so, and I'd add to that in most of our agreements, we do have requirements for life insurance to, um, to secure those obligations, yeah. the child support and the maintenance. So you, people also should make sure that they're compliant with that. If they have obligations, they should be compliant. Correct. So well, PSA on life insurance. Yeah. Well, the sooner the better, the better, right? Cause if they, you know, for me, like I'm in great health, my heart issue, I, it's hard to get life insurance now. So to put that can, stuff in place early is a good way to go. And for most people you can apply online. Right. There are really simple issue life insurance policies that you can do from the safety of your home. So. During a pandemic, whatever. During a pandemic. While it's on the top of your mind, great time to get life insurance. Yep. Thanks. And if you are thinking about divorce, please visit splitready.com and take our free assessment. You can come through your divorce with your finances, your integrity, and your sanity intact. Be informed, ask questions, and be split ready.